You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Trevino. We have another show for you guys today. We're covering USC's 31-16 to loss to Arizona State on the road. This season is close to coming to an end, and I'm sure USC fans are, are probably glad to hear that. It's been an interesting season for sure. I think people want to turn the page and already get to the next coaching hire, but we're still here. We're still covering each week what we see. Chris, what are you doing right now? I was just thinking of like an analogy for this. It just feels like a couple that you know is going to break up, <laughs> but they just have to get to their sister's wedding because they're plus one whatever. You just got to get past that. And then after that, it's home free, you know? <laughs> okay. everyone's, everyone's miserable. They know it's not working. They just want to move on, get back into the dating pool, uh, find a new partner. But you just you have some uh, 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 obligations. You know, you have to go to this wedding. You have to you have tickets to this thing. You just got to get through it. You don't want to lose all that money. You just want to. So you got like three weeks left, and then you can have the talk. It's like it's, it's over. We're done. We're moving on. We can we can start a new chapter or whatever. Everyone knows once we make the trip to Vegas, everything's off. You know, yeah. basically what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, we've already paid for it. We're already the room's already paid for. So we're gonna go. We're gonna have a good time. But then everyone knows we're just getting to that point, and then right. it's over. Right. Yeah. Except USC doesn't get a trip to Vegas this year. Oh, well done. I need well no done. Pac-12 championship. Very quickly, before yes. we get into everything horrible yes. and dire and whatever, <laughs> I just want to talk about this dream I had last night. Okay. It was, it's very USC related. And <laughs> okay. it was very it, USC related. It was very vivid. Like I woke up to your text about the podcast and I almost woke up and tweeted about this dream. It was so vivid. I thought okay. it was real. So basically, we were watching a USC game. This USC team, this current USC team in the final weeks here. Okay. They were playing Virginia Tech. I don't know how Virginia Tech got on the schedule, but they're playing Virginia Tech. DJ Harvey, Sierra Canyon. There you go. <laughs> it was at like a high schoolish stadium, like Mission Viejo Stadium. Like it was like that kind of vibe. Okay. But it was like a college game, like legitimate game. <laughs> okay. And it was in the daytime. It was like early though, like 1230 or something. The score in the fourth quarter was 62-60. USC was down. Here's another wrinkle. First half, everything was like normal football-wise. Second half, fourth quarter specifically, everyone took off their helmets and they were playing without helmets. I don't know what that means. And I was on the sideline. I don't know why I was on the sideline for this game, but you guys were down there too. Everyone was running around. Okay. Corey Foreman played quarterback in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it was very bizarre. Guess who caught the winning touchdown? Max Gibbs. No. Drake Jackson? Tyler Bonds. Oh. I don't know why he was there, but he scored the game-winning touchdown. Interesting. And that's all I remember <laughs> about that. <laughs> I do remember Ryan and Shock Ryan and Corey Foreman, we signed him on to be a writer for uscfootball.com <laughs> at the end and Shotgun was there and he was doing his little Shotgun post-game chit-chat with him. It was just us in a garage and a table. It was very weird. <laughs> So they won 67-62 over Virginia Tech. Corey Foreman coming in and playing the game-winning quarterback to Tyler Vaughn's. That's all I remember. Wow. Wow. 
All right, Chris. I don't. Are we supposed to be like your your dream interpreters or nope, something? Let's get the stats. Okay, I can be. I mean, I think your brain is so done with this season; it's creating false realities of the team you cover. Yeah, I mean, they're not using Corey at defensive end. Just put him at quarterback. What happens? <laughs> I, you guys have these dreams. Keely will will come and be like, "Man, I had this weird dream," and I have say really something. Vivid dreams, yeah. And it may have something to do with USC football or you know something we're covering. I don't really ever have dreams because <laughs> I sleep so little. So uh, you don't hit that rim. Yeah, I don't ever get there. Um, so it's really weird to me when you guys have these vivid dreams of, of things that we're covering. You try sleeping sometimes. <laughs> Meh. Overrated. Well, like we said, we have a lot to talk about. We have some questions to get into, and it's basketball. Opening day, shotgun. Ooh, there it is. <laughs> I'm going to do that every time there's a basketball reference. I nice. Want that. I love it. Shotgun, I'm sure we'll get some basketball takes from you. All right. I was embracing for, I didn't know what. I can't just do it like that. It has to be okay. every separate. Okay, got it. Got it every got time it, it okay. comes up. I didn't know the protocol. Every new iteration of it. Yes, yes. Thank you. We'll also get into some stocks and heard it, but let's just jump right in. Shotty Spratt, stock up. Oh, went to him. Uh, there's an obvious one that I'm going to skip and let you guys have. Oh. So I'm going to go with Maximus Gibbs. Uh, oh, that was mine. <laughs> yeah, well, too bad. Okay. You want to go first? You could have went first. I'm the host. But I'm going to take Maximus Gibbs, uh, you, you know, tackle for loss, getting in there, getting about the same amount of reps as he had last week, but you're just seeing him being in the flow of, of the game um, and, and making some plays, you know, getting some push up there, which is something that they're not consistently getting. But when he gets in there, He's not getting pushed backwards. He's either it's either stalemate at the line of scrimmage or he's creating some some penetration. The tackle for loss was actually a missed tackle from someone else, but he was there. It shoved his guy out of the way and went and made the play in the backfield there. So he just continues to progress, and that's it's really fun to see you know how quickly he's you know taken on this defensive tackle a position he basically hasn't played since Pee Wee Ball since Snoop League, and as just making the most of it. And he said, you know, Keely and I talked to him after the game and he said that, uh, you know, she asked him, uh, someone asked him about uh, the potential of where he will be next season. And he said, I'm looking at it as being a two-way player. And, you know, he, he still thinks he can play guard and wants to, you know, pursue that. But, you know, it says that he thinks he can play uh, defensive tackle too. And what's to stop him? You know, he's got to get in a little better conditioning so they can use him a little bit more. But other than that, I mean, the kid's showing his strength and showing his uh, desire to be out there and contributing. And it's so fun when he makes a play, seeing everyone erupt on the sideline because everyone loves him. We had no idea what it was going to turn out to be when they moved him. You know, it's like, is this going to work? I don't know. He hasn't really uh, made it onto the field as offensive lineman. Obviously, we need, he needs time to develop. So will that still hold true on the defensive line? And, you know, it's working out well for him. And... You know, I'm sure they're very happy to have him because they need him, given all the the injuries they've had. Another game down three three defensive linemen. So, Big Max filling a role. I think it's just so interesting because I was hearing prior to the switch that he was a little unhappy just with where he was on the depth chart and just fitting in and whatnot. And to see the defensive teammates just welcome him onto that side of the ball and just be so excited for him and and the growth we've seen you know talking to him after the game you could tell he's just really happy to to be able to contribute so i just think that's really cool so stock up for that that actually points to something that i didn't put on my stock down but probably should be mentioned is the divide between the offense and defense you know the defense is not playing great you know a ton of missed tackles all these things um but 
it just feels like that unit is so much more tight knit than on the offensive side. And part of that on the offensive side, I think, is the two quarterback system and everything else. But it feels like the offense is not as cohesive as the defense is. Even though both units are having their struggles, the offense just seems to be, you know, a lot of separate pieces going in different directions. Whereas the defense, they're all trying, they're all making the effort, you know, they're just not making tackles. And I think we've talked about this before, but I think it speaks to I just think there's more, more cohesion on the defensive staff than there is on the offensive staff. Or at least like they're all buying into one main thing. You know, and I just don't feel like we've ever felt that from the offensive staff. But I don't know. I mean, I think that could be it. I mean, I don't know the exact reasoning why, but there seems to be turmoil is not the right word, though it could be used. Uh, more turmoil on the offensive side than on the defensive side, as far as in the locker room and you know figuring out things and trying to you know put all the right pieces together and you know, get guys playing time. You know, there's been more. Uh, bodies used on the defensive side and the offensive side. You keep going. You know, when are they going to rotate here? When are they going to rotate here? Um, and you know that leads to you know guys that are disinterested or guys that are just you know not happy with their roles and stuff. And that you know would, that made me think of it when you brought that up that Max just wasn't exactly happy with where he was on the depth chart and whatnot. Yeah, Chrissy T. Stockage up. What uh, do you have? Yeah, let's just keep it simple and go Parker Lewis. Parker came in, went three for four in his return after sitting out the Arizona game for uh, quote-unquote accountability, uh, but he was back in playing in his home state. Uh, Arizona uh, Arizona came in, made some big field goals, set a new career high with his 52-yarder, the first 50-yard field goal of his career. Um, you know, did have a miss right before halftime. That one was 51 yards. Not going to, you know, Ding him up too much on his stock for that, just because you know fifty yards are still hard to make. Uh, a little bit wide right, but outscored the offense. <laughs> wow, nine to seven. Didn't realize uh, that. He's got wow. four, fourteen made field goals uh, this season. Leads uh, the Pac twelve by a good margin, uh, which and, speaks to USC's red zone inefficiency. And you know, I think it's a good bet that he's going to make it to twenty this season, and he's probably going to be used heavily in these last three games, assuming he doesn't have accountability stuff going on in these last stretch of the season. So stock up Parker Lewis, looking like an all-Pac-12 pick at this point. Especially with the fact that he's basically missed two games. Right. You know, the accountability game, and then he was you know uh, targeting. targeting penalty on the first uh, play of, of a game. So uh, the 52-yarder, good from 60, if not 62, yeah. 65. Like, that, that ball was boomed. And, you know, he's showing he's got an NFL leg right now. Now it's just... If, if he wants to be an NFL kicker, it's all about consistency. That's what gets you a job in the NFL, not just a big leg. But he, he's shown that pretty, you know, pretty well. You know, he had the, what 10 of, 10 of 10 to start the season, I think it was. Um, you know, he looked like he was a little banged up going in the Notre Dame game and had some issues there. And and then you know he sits out the Arizona game, but comes back and you know I thought he really performed well. They did take him off the kickoff unit after he you know, kicked one low and then also banged up his wrist, it looked like, so he had that taped up later in the game, and Dante Williams was asked about that um, on Sunday and said you know, we took him off because he got some dings, which is becoming a common thing across the board. Everyone's got something right now, and that's this time in the season, but it, it seems to have hit USC kind of in a wave, whereas going into the bye week, you felt like, man, this team's been pretty healthy. And in the last couple of weeks, they've taken a lot of hits, even though some of them have been pretty small ones. But a lot of guys are, you know, you, you see the trainers over working on hands or working on, a, you know, extra tape and all these type of things. So a lot of guys that are you're feeling the effects of the full season, I feel like. How did you turn 
Let's talk about a kicker and injuries. <laughs> I can do anything, Chris. Did I you guess. know this by now? But just a note on his consistency. <laughs> he was about he's about thirteen points up in his completion percentage for field goals this year. Huh. So consistency has taken a step forward. There we go. Now, my stock up that hasn't been covered yet actually has been covered in the reaction pod, which by the way, gentlemen, great job. You did a great job on the road. I was worried because the audio, I'm an audio snob. I was a little worried, and then I got. I gave into you it. a disclaimer. You to did. Begin you this. did. I know. We I put know. it in the. We put it in the pod. Look, this is raw. This is uncut. <laughs> yeah. This is a dingy back order club. This is real. This is literally starting with whatever song comes on next is what's going to be our intro. Yeah. Chris says, and we had to go with Ludacris. Maybe so. we'll do. Maybe we'll do another one on the way back. From I Cal. mean, it was great. You guys did a great job. But I had Xavier and Alford on stock up, obviously. Two interceptions for him. Also, and you guys talked about this as well, but stock up for turnovers. That's something that we haven't seen from Todd Orlando's defense this season, but we did see it in 2020. Um, but I think he's growing. And in that sense, um, I think this is like a supplemental. I'm connecting both of them. Stock down for veteran safeties. The fact that you mentioned this a lot, Stockham, but in the sense that they haven't locked up that spot. And the, like, all six are rotating and they're trying to see who's going to step up and stand out in that spot. And so I had stocked down for the veteran safeties because you would ideally you'd want the guys who've been there the longest and have played the most locked down that spot, and not have guys creep in. So, and since you said that I've got stock up for Greg Johnson, who's one of those veteran safeties that actually go. had a really good game, especially stopping the run, you know, coming off the edge. Now they were basically switching him and Chris Thompson out um, when they thought that they were going to run. And Chris Thompson, you know, because he's got the bigger body and everything. But Greg Johnson, when he was in there, was doing a really good job blitzing off the edge and stuff and doing some different things. So I thought he bounced back from, you know, having struggled, you know, part of this season and then being out for a game, not playing. I think he played like three snaps last week to come back and, and get back in that rotation with those other five guys. Uh, and Xavier Alford, I think he's a guy that you have to put on the field more. And if that, I, I think that's going to be at the cost of Chase Williams. Obviously, Chase Williams has missed some tackles this season. He had some big missed tackles in this game. Um, I think Xavier Alford has, has proven that he needs to be in there a little bit more now. And we'll see how that rotation goes because this game was pretty much even across the board. I, I think it was everyone, according to PFF, um, I haven't finished uh, tabulating all the snaps, but I think PFF had everyone between 26 and 33 snaps or something like that for the six safeties. Um, so 26 to 37, sorry. So about nine snaps, so a little bit of difference there, but six guys that are all in that same area and everyone's getting kind of equal snaps. So it was interesting, and I couldn't even figure out what the exact uh, you know decision on when they were putting guys in when they weren't ver- besides Greg Johnson versus Chris Thompson. You know, basically it was Isaiah Polamau and um, Xavier Alford in together and then Chase Williams and Kalen Bullock in together. So it was interesting that they split those two pairings up. You know, Chase and Isaiah Polamau have been together for multiple years now. So it was interesting they switch they they split those up and they didn't weren't substituting one for one. It was that the, that duo pairing. Those two were subbing in and out, um, and then Chris Thompson and Greg Johnson was separate. So it was you know they were doing the the back end safeties as a group, and then the nickel safety as a different different position, a different uh, substitution. Hmm. Does, was there a pairing that you preferred from your rewatch? I mean, Isaiah Paul Mao and Zayvon Alford, you know, did better. Uh, I, I don't, I haven't, I didn't look at it in specifically for those guys and try to yeah. pick it out. But 
you know, some of the explosive plays, more of the explosive plays were against Kalen Bullock and Chase Williams when they were in there together. And then the interceptions obviously came when Zayvon Alford and Isaiah Pullman were in there together. So that grouping performed better in this game in particular. Um, now, going forward, will that be the same? Yeah, will it not? Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I had to go back and look and see and just kind of study the safeties on their own rather than looking at the entire play and see if, if there's something. And that's something I'll do a little bit later in this week. Alrighty, any other stock ups before we move to stock down? Uh, just very quickly, Andrew Voorhees, you know, mm, filling in that left tackle spot. I think, you know, he's been very consistent at that guard spot. You know, we've seen him play a little left tackle in, you know, camps and stuff sometimes. And we there were times where we were like, I don't know if this is going to work. But I think he stepped up beautifully. The left tackle spot, I believe you, you have the PFF data. You can tell me if he gave up pressure when the wind was blowing north or south. <laughs> but I don't think he gave up a pressure uh on saturday and i think he filled in really well especially against a defense that was number two in sacks uh uh coming into that game so just a little tip of the cap to the to the senior the, the veteran bit. yeah he's I'm, tipping I'm his tipping cap. hypothetical cap no pressures given up by andrew Voorhees. so i think that, the pff's initial rating yeah so you know again not the end all be all but i think solid performance by number 72 out there on the edge yeah, yeah. According to there early, and remember, said this with PFF, take oh, no. it with a grain of salt. It's going to go in a hole. But no, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. It's a it's a tool to look at as well as your you know what you view yourself. But they do an initial grading, and then they go back and uh, look at each game a little bit more in depth, and then regrade the their grading. So the initial grading, he had an eighty nine point four pass block grade. So you know he was he was fantastic there. He and Brett Nealon. Brett Nealon had an eighty five point one. So both those guys really did well. The rest of the group. Up and down a little bit. My last, my last stock up was Michael Jackson. Um, yeah. The fact that he got his first catch is great. And, you know, it was at at the end, a little bit. Of, you could call it garbage time if you wanted to, but also just the fact that he was in the regular rotation, something he hasn't been throughout the season. He played, uh, I think, tw- around twenty snaps, nineteen, twenty snaps somewhere in there. And I don't think that he had played that much this season so far. I would have to check the numbers. But I think the fact that he's now in the rotation, obviously with Drake London going down, someone has to step up. That's a guy that you know got his opportunity. Now, I didn't think any of the wide receivers really stepped up. But uh, you know I think Michael Jackson getting in the rotation, that means his stock is rising. All righty. Stock down. Chrissy T, I spared you for, for stock up to start the show. I'm not sparing you now. Stock down. Who you got? Wow. That's, or what you got. That's like borderline offensive borderline but border, it's not border you're right you're right um you know i think i mentioned this several times before but bowl game possibilities took a big old another hit yep uh got to win two at last three you know you're a 1.5 favorite over cal that one's going to be a little dicey you know i don't think you'll go into ucla or byu as a, as the favorite so even though they're at home uh, ESPN's PFF, or sorry, not PFF, FPI, <laughs> has uh, USC as the favorite in all three of those games by like 53%, 57%, 52%, like barely, but has them as favorites and has them at about 57% chance to win out or get get to six wins. So I don't see it like that. I see it a lot lower, maybe like 30 40% uh, by the Chris Trevino FPI. <laughs> Which takes into account nothing, CT, really. Just, it's just the eye test. Okay. FBI isn't watching the USC games. I am. So <laughs> that's going off my eyeballs. Uh, so just taking stock down for the bowl game appearance possibility. 
going off of what you said in the middle there, no. um, <laughs> just something that I was thinking about, about like, what is so different about this season compared to other seasons? And like, there's a lot of obvious answers, but I, we talked about it before about how like, this is when the lack of recruiting has really hit home and like has showed itself. And in that, I feel like USC fans frustration in prior seasons was like, okay, USC's winning the games. They know, like we know USC should win, but they're not reaching their potential. There are games where they could be better and they could do this and that and that this season. They're not even reaching those games that are just gimmies or like usual games that you go, Hey, USC can do this. What about where where are they reaching higher? You know? And I just think it's, I think USC fans are not used to not even clearing that hurdle. And so I think that's why this season is so just like kind of jarring a little bit and kind of, you know, cause I was actually talking to some USC fans and it's kind of taken the fun out of just, you know, USC games were an event and now it's not anymore. It's kind of just really sucked the air out of everything. Well, even when it was five and seven, they were in all those games. So, you know, there were close games and USC was finding ways to lose. But now it's just, they're not as talented and you're not seeing the talented players that they do have make a ton of plays. And I feel like that's the case. Like even, you know, even that uh, 2018 season um, and, you know, even some of the other seasons where they weren't living up to their potential, you still had stars making star plays. And there was still excitement because there was some hero ball, but that hero ball was fun to watch. Now, you may not like the way the team plays overall, but you can get really excited about Michael Pittman making some ridiculous grabs or you know whoever it may be, Sam Darnold making some guys miss in the backfield and throwing a Deontay Burnett. Now... It's just it's kind of it's it's hard to watch at times because guys don't catch the ball, guys don't get that block when they should to to spring a run. Running back has an opportunity, and you know there's an extra guy there, whatever it may be on the offensive side, on the defense side, guys in place he doesn't make a tackle. You know guys have a chance to get an interception or something, and, and they don't make it. You know there's just plays don't get made. There's not a, a ton of playmakers. It feels like right now. Yeah, even the guys that you would label as playmakers. Sometimes you go, did that guy play tonight? Like, I don't remember seeing him. I don't remember him doing anything. And sometimes, you, you know, uh, there was a thread, I think, on the, the P about where was Drake Jackson in the game? And Drake Jackson actually, I think, finished second in tackles. But you expect more out of him. You expect him to make a big play because he's that type of playmaker. And this season, those playmakers haven't always stepped up. So I, I think that's been a, a big disappointment for fans, and that takes a lot of fun out of it because even when you're bad, you can still – there can still be some fun things to to cheer for, and you know I think that was a lot of that was sapped away when you know Drake London got rolled up on. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Shoddy, I know you just went on a tangent. I always do, but yep. uh, <laughs> I got the the defensive front seven rotation stocked down. Okay, because that's something we've seen. You know, especially the defensive line. There's been a lot of bodies in there. They moved guys in. They you know did, had different packages and stuff. Not so much this week. Now, one, uh, and, I, and I mentioned this, now the linebackers aren't rotating a ton throughout the season, but I feel like if you look at these two, the two halves, you look at the first quarter and a third, first quarter and a half of the first half and of the second half, and USC's defense looks really good. They gave up that one touchdown early to, to Arizona State, but besides that, they're stuffing them, they're getting three and outs, they're getting, you know, maybe they give up one first down, but then they're getting off the field. And then at the end of the halves, the last half of the second quarter, last half of the fourth quarter, or maybe a little bit more in the fourth quarter, they just look worn down. 
They're not getting any penetration. There's no guys getting off blocks, and that's when suddenly Arizona State's getting those seven-yard runs, eight-yard runs, and then suddenly they pop a, a big long one. You're not tackling as well, and I think part of that is because they're not rotating. Now, part of it on the defensive line is because they're not healthy, um, and, and that's part of it. Nick Figueroa being in there I think would really help them. Hopefully they'll get him back this week. Uh, we'll see. Jamar Sakona thought he was a, a guy that was going to be able to – jumping that rotation back into the rotation he didn't make the trip and then the guys that are there you know was we didn't see any Colin Mobley we didn't see we saw a little bit of Corey Foreman but you know we saw like 10 plays of Max Gibbs Stanley Taufu and Jacob Lichtenstein outside of those 10 snaps from uh, Max Gibbs basically played every snap you know so there was not a ton of rotation there. Hunter Eccles played a good amount for Drake Jackson because he was, you know, dealing with with a uh, shoulder injury. But you know, there was not a ton of rotation, and I think you saw that at the end of the game. I think you saw that at the end of the first half as well. You know, just they were worn down, and you know that's when Arizona State was able to, you know, basically, you know, pick up all their chunk yardage, get all their big points. And you look at it, and you go, "Wow, the defense didn't play well. They don't tackle." You look at it for those first quarter and a half of each half, and you go, this defense is playing pretty well. And then suddenly it just falls off cliff. And that was one of the things that Michael Hutchins said to me. He said, I, you know, I thought we were stuffing them, stuffing them, stuffing them, and then one play breaks through, and we kind of break down after that. And I asked, is it because guys are getting worn down? You know, Kanai Malga has been on the field for almost the entire season. You know, he's come out in some third and long situations when they want to have a, you know, a more mobile linebacker. Is he getting worn down from all the contact? He goes and hits people. He doesn't wait for the blocker to come to him. Is that wearing him down at this point in the season? Do you need to rotate more guys in? Rajon Davis did not even play in the game. He didn't even play on special teams. First time all season. You know, where are where are these young guys? Where are some you know extra bodies out there? You know, getting to a CV Namora, finding a way to get him in there for a few plays. And I know that's dangerous because young guys or inexperienced guys can mess up. And you saw that in the, in the Oregon State game. There was a big play, you know, uh, where guy runs squat, uh, wide open because uh, a young guy was not on his assignment. But at this point, you're you're really struggling for those that front seven to be productive if they're completely worn down at the end of a game. And I thought that's what we saw in this Arizona State game. Whereas the safeties, they rotated a, a ton, and that's one of the things Craig Nivar said of why they've been rotating more is because got to keep guys fresh because of at this point in the season, you know, the toll on the bodies and whatnot. So I thought it was interesting. The safeties were rotating a ton, the front seven, barely at all. Interesting. Now for my stock down, I don't know how I haven't, like we haven't gotten to this yet in this podcast, but it's kind of like one of the biggest storylines coming out of the game. Stock down on two quarterback systems you got really excited about that i'm not excited i'm just so frustrated i mean if we had a podcast last week i would have went on a rant about it because i just think this is so it's just it doesn't make sense to me i don't get it i personally this is not sourcing yet i don't think like so, I said, yet no well i don't know <laughs> i'm just saying like if i go whatever I honestly think that this is Dante wanting to play dart and Harold still wanting to hold on to Keaton. And they're in this in-between gray area. Because I asked Gray, gray Harrell, <laughs> I asked Graham Harrell point blank after the game, would you prefer to play one quarterback? Because he made it sound in the questions you were asking, it's hard for guys to get into a rhythm. 
it's difficult, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, well, yeah, it's harder for them to get into the rhythm, but we have two great quarterbacks, blah, blah, blah. No one's ever answered why. Like, I don't fully understand why they're causing this much disruption on an offense that already is not cohesive, you know? Like, and and, and to your point, Shotgun, just go with what you think. If you want Dart because you think Dart's the best, go with it. If you think Keaton, go with it. But don't do this, like, halfway thing where you end up having both quarterbacks play poorly. I just, it doesn't make sense to me. I think it's, in some ways... A little insulting to your third year starter because you have him asking why is this happening um, after the Arizona game and you guys said it on the podcast you're out scheming yourself <laughs> like you're not this is not impacting anyone but yourself you know I, I just it doesn't make sense to me I don't get it. it I think it's gonna cause more divide like you suggested shotgun I just don't think this makes sense long rant but yeah, a shotgun like rant. You just needed more stats and <laughs> data and more data stats, points. Always. I think, yeah, were, I think there were two of seventeen on throws combined, or maybe it was four four of seventeen combined on throws over ten yards. Both quarterbacks. And it seems to be just a little bit exacerbated, a little bit just because Dart doesn't seem fully healthy. Yeah, he just seems. I don't want to say not as confident, but maybe you know, maybe he's not Hesitant as a yeah, bit. a little 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 hesitant i don't know if maybe it's just that's just coming off um the the knee injury still doesn't feel like 100 percent with it you know he did have that rpo touchdown which is pretty nice um but you know maybe he's you know he's not used to losing you know maybe he's like in this he's playing on a bad team you know he was he you know coming where the program he came from corner canyon hold on he was uh you know winning winning state titles winning a lot of games so that's an adjustment period to get used to a team where you know you're not dominating every player you're not dominating every team you're playing maybe it has something to do with that i don't know um so yeah i i don't really know uh what more they can do and i will say at least helton never went the two qb system well and and shotguns made this point as well helton was a quarterback he was a quarterback's coach he's always said yeah I don't want a quarterback looking behind his shoulder. Obviously, that means something to a quarterback, whereas Dante is a cornerback's coach, and that competition is always part of his coaching style. But I do think it impacts them. Honestly, I was in favor, and I still am in favor, of a dart package and using it as a package, not saying, okay, two series, we're going to switch it out, and someone else goes in, but, hey, we're, we're struggling in the red zone. You know, let's get in the red zone and give thing, teams a, something different to, to think about if we decide to put him in and it's a third and four or something. Oh, will they run? You know, how will this affect the defense? They've got to prepare for a quarterback and he can also throw. But have a certain set of plays that are different from what you run. And that's one of the things is there's no difference in the offense. It's not like they're, you know, now maybe they're running the read option a little bit more and telling Dart to run. And it was good to see him actually run some this game because that adds a different element while Keaton Slovis also ran. So, you know, what's to say that wasn't just part of the game plan against Arizona State? But I feel like if you're going to put him in, give him a separate, you know, separate section of the playbook. You know, this is the Slovis section. This is the Dart section. And we're going to do some different things with you because you have a different skill set. That's when two system quarter, two quarterback systems work the best. Or you know, adding an extra element with a, a running quarterback like they did Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. That's the most effective it's ever been. And I think that was because they knew, okay, we're not going to ask. 
Tim Tebow to do everything we ask Chris Leak to do. We're not going to ask him to read the safety and look off here and do this. We're going to use your skill set, and we're not going to put too much on your plate. And sometimes I feel like, you know, I, I think they think that Dart is a very advanced quarterback, and I think he will eventually be a really good college quarterback. But I think also you, they may be putting too much on his plate by asking him to read some some plays. Uh, you know, that that maybe. Let's focus on one little subset and then try to you know build you from there instead of saying, all right, you know the entire playbook. We're just going to throw you in there for series. I think that it could be would have been much more beneficial to bring him along a little bit slower with a package. And then what I had said all along when people were calling after the Washington State for him to start was that I didn't think he had earned it. And I, I said it should be similar to the Oklahoma-Texas situation where Oklahoma, they were struggling in a game. And Keaton Slovis hadn't really struggled in a game, and then Dart came in and really performed. And maybe that's what they wanted. That Maybe that's what they were looking for is like, okay, if, if Keaton struggles a little bit in this Arizona game or he struggles a little bit in the Arizona State game, and Dart's going to run with it, and then we can make that official move. And it feels like maybe they were hoping something like that happened and someone would clearly be the leader. And I think it, the two-quarterback system has just put both of the quarterbacks in a situation where they're not having that rhythm, not being able to get into a flow of the game. And now with Drake London not in there, there's not a lot of open receivers and not a, lot of, a ton of open targets. There's not The run game was stuffed in this game for the most part. Really, it wasn't a Slovis versus Dart thing with this offense. It was when the, when the run game was going versus when the run game wasn't going. When the run game, you know, when they got some chunk yards from Keontae Ingram, that, those were the drives that they scored on. When they couldn't get the run game going or they got a negative five-yard run or negative three-yard and it put them behind the chains, they weren't moving the ball consistently, picking up chunk yardage. So I think that was the biggest difference in this game, and it was both quarterbacks. And I think that's the issue is that you're, instead of helping the team overall and creating these different looks that a defense has to prepare for, you're hurting both your quarterbacks and hindering them instead of helping the team overall. So I think that's why, and, and I think that they realize that. I think from the comments that Dante Williams made, it sounded like they're going to they're moving towards selecting one. He's still leaving it up in the air to try to force Cal to prepare for both of them. But I think we'll see one guy get ninety percent of the reps going forward, at least in this first game. We'll see if they, you know, I, that's just kind of my thought from the the words that he used last night. And maybe he's just being coy with it once again. But it sounded like we're moving towards picking one guy and sticking with it because. I think I think the reasoning is, even though he didn't say this, is because we just saw it's not working. I mean, I also think it was a bold move to continue with what they were doing with the absence of Drake London. You know, because I, I felt like you would need some sense of security or like continuity if you're losing a guy who can make up for a lot of issues. You know, he makes up for a lot. He gets open. He you can throw that fifty fifty ball to him. Instead of Taj Washington uh, or Gary Bryant, Drake London goes up and makes those catches. I mean, Taj Washington had one good throw from Keaton Slovis and it hit him in the face mask. You know, it was a tough catch, tough contested catch. And there was a, I think, there, no, this one wasn't a penalty. But, you know, that's the type of play that Drake London comes down with almost all the time. And that was what was so special about him. And so, so the easy button for the offense is like, just throw it to Drake, he'll figure it out. Um, whereas now, not a ton of separation a lot. Some of, some of the zone concepts, when, when Arizona State was in zone, they were, had some open guys. But then also, just guys not making not making the tough catches. Sometimes they don't make the easy catches, but 
you know, the tough catches, and that's what really helps a quarterback. That's what really moves the offense and gets, you know, some energy for the offense too when you make one of those tough catches, either over the middle or, you know, throws a little bit behind you. You know, when you can help the quarterback out, and the receivers didn't help either quarterback out really in this game. Chris, what do you expect going forward for the quarterbacks? The man is baffled over here. I don't get baffled easily, guys. <laughs> Actually, I get baffled like once a day, but. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Dante kind of hinted that there will be like one guy moving forward or, or something alluding to that on a Trojan's live appearance. So, you know, maybe maybe he sees that, you know, maybe looking back on the tape, he sees Dart isn't 100% like we've been talking about. It doesn't seem like he's fully Jackson Dart and maybe he's going to go, you know, going to air with Graham Harrell's uh, we are, are presumed he would be leaning towards Keaton, our three-year starter. Let's just ride him out, get a couple packages, whatever. But it's hard to predict, but it seems like they're going to pick one soon. So we'll see. We shall see indeed. Alrighty, gentlemen, any final uh, stock downs? Oh, I got one. I got stock down for Arizona drivers. <laughs> so every time I go to Arizona... I feel a little unsafe when I'm driving just because people are flying. There's so many intersections in different directions when you're going through Phoenix uh, that, you know, things are splitting in five different ways and people are trying to get over real quick. Last time I had gone to Arizona was during, I think, in May for baseball. And on the way back, I'd seen someone pulled over to the side and the the back end of their vehicle was sticking out in the the fast lane, uh, in the passing lane. And I said, ooh, that's that could be dangerous. And I got over and got out of the way, and there was a truck speeding up, and a truck hit the car, and it sounded like a giant explosion behind me. I like cringed as thinking I was about to get hit as well, uh, and then I saw the truck rolling over and over and over. Oh my goodness! Scary situation. I hope no one was injured, though. I can't promise anything. Um, and there was no real exit or anything for me to turn around. I was already like a mile down the road when I like breathed again. So um, that was scary. And then. Chris and I, after we after the game, we get some Whataburger because you got to hit that up while you're in Arizona. You know, you're not not getting that in California. And unfortunately, got sideswiped on the way. What? Yes, got sideswiped on the way to returning to our hotel. Yeah, oh so the the NASCAR race, the championship race, was in Phoenix this weekend. So I got a nice little kind of tire spin mark on the the side of my uh, driver door from someone coming over and. Sideswiping me. Civic oh on Civic. Gosh. Yeah, Civic on Civic damage. You guys okay? Well, obviously you are, but that's, oh my God. No, I lost my arm. <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> that's awful. Why did you tell me about it? Because he wanted to do it on the podcast. <laughs> Chris is like, don't tell her, don't tell her. Oh my goodness. And he almost did it on the car, cas, go, whatever, reactions on the road. And I was like, she's going to listen to it. I'm telling you, she's going to listen to it. And then I lost a bet on that too. He was like, she's yeah. not going to listen to it. So the girl was very, very apologetic, um, and Chris said she was an attractive lady. So, <laughs> I, no, I was looking at my car all the time. It's in the middle of the dark. It's like 2 a.m. trying to look like... Oh, my goodness. Look, there are worse people to get hit by than a beautiful woman, all right? It's true. There are much worse people to be hit by. A wow. beautiful insured woman. Yes, also true. Insured woman. That's We love to see it. We love <laughs> to see it. Well, glad y'all are safe, I guess. Again, lost my arm, so I don't know. <laughs> Heard it on the sideline. Chrissy T, you promised this for the Family Feud Pod. Did I? Yeah, you did. This is your favorite segment. Let me, uh, oh, 
No, you're just doing a bit. No, but you did promise <laughs> this. I did listen to did the podcast. I? I wrote... Also, while you're doing what you're doing, I think you're trying to find your hurt it. I have a question. No. How would you be attached to the windmill? Like, is it... <laughs> Like, yeah, you got a lot of questions. Up, See what up. happens when she does. She's not a part of a podcast. She's like, wait a second, I wasn't part of this. Now I got a lot of questions. No, no, but I feel like it's very understandable they to have questions. Create about a this. seat that's flush with the blade. Okay. For some reason, I just like. I was just thinking giant duct tape. I, that's what I was thinking too. Like you're just like no no. The what? One more time. You're taped. No, one more. I did it twice, Chris. All right, I don't. I, I, you're just in a seat, you know, like in the, the ride that goes whoosh, like up, like you're strapped in <laughs> and you're just going around. Okay. Yeah. Guys, just have some imagination once in a while. I just wanted more of your imagination. Wait, is this a rocker seat then? So you stay upright the entire time? Yeah. Instead of going upside yeah, down I when the blade goes on? Yeah, I would expect yeah. you to go upside down. All right. Well, you can draw Europe. You're, you're, <laughs> Europe. Europe. <laughs> schematics I've driven that I've drawn that once uh yeah so in the press box just a little spice from the press box we actually me and Ryan got to sit above in the front row and there was a bunch of obviously reporters in front of us just the rule and I said this on the reactions on the road do not yell out that's not a flag or that's not a penalty especially on a PI call until you see the penalty until you see the replay because there was a reporter in front of us, not naming any names, not naming any outlets, but was like really upset about the pass interference call called on Lake McCree over the middle. I believe it was a third down. Uh, and yet, and kind of exclaimed really loudly to everyone around, that's that's not a that's not a penalty. You can't make that call. That's not a penalty. And then what do we do? We wait 10 seconds. We're adults. <laughs> we're mature. We wait till the broadcast. There's like multiple cameras. See the slow motion. And what do we see? Defender grabbing the back of Lake McCree's arm. And then the guy's colleague who was next to him is like, yeah, he was holding him. (laughs) And then all you hear is a, well, look who made the call. The side judge down there. That's not his call to make. And I was like, all right, bro. Keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving. We're done. So that's the rule. Watch the replay before you exclaim your objection to a call. Just watch the replay. That's all I'm saying. That was my hurt it. And also, don't be a homer in the press box because um, you're not supposed to be cheering in the press box anyway. And that's usually where these uh, interjections come from, from someone's homerism. That's another episode of uh, Press Box Homerism. <laughs> yeah. Etiquette. Etiquette? Etiquette, yeah. I was going to say etiquette, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Shoddy Spratt. Uh, Jackson Dart, nice finger roll on the touchdown. And then as he is jogging off the field, Dante Williams was not having it and wanted to let him know he was very displeased with that show of emotion, that show of boating. Show of boating? Uh, <laughs> show boating a little bit I there. I appreciated it. Uh, but... You know, and Dante Williams explained it uh, Sunday and then yesterday on Trojans Live as well. He said, hey, you know, we've seen it in other games where the smallest thing can be called for celebration penalty and whatnot. And I understand that. But it was interesting to me, and a lot of people just grasped on that he was chewing him out. Jackson Dart basically looked away from him 
and never really like took acceptance up. Now he said after the game, he's like, "Yeah, I can't do that." But in the moment, he like looked away from Dante Williams as Dante Williams was coming up and trying to get in his face and like never made eye contact with him. And I thought that was really interesting. The fact that you know, your coach is going to get on you, and, and Dante Williams has gotten on Drake London, he's gotten on some other uh, Michael Trigg, and his his explanation is, I have to get on the guys that are the stars so that everyone knows that it's unacceptable and that you need to act like you've been there. But also, and then you know, we can debate whether or not you should allow players to show the emotion um, because I think you know Dante Williams has been all about let's get some juice, we got to get juice. Well, that's where it comes from. You know, when you make a big play, you got to celebrate it and, and you know show a little bit of emotion. Do it in the right way, and maybe that's what, the point he's trying to get across. But you know, the fact that Jackson Dart just you know turned his head and wasn't really looking at Dante Williams as he was running back to the sideline, I thought was pretty interesting. I want to know: Did he do it for the entire defense after that fifty-yard touchdown run? <laughs> but did the whole defense come off together like a school of fish? And he was just moving with them, yelling at them. I did not notice that. Mm. Okay. It is interesting when he's gotten upset at people um, on the sidelines. I it's, regret this. It's usually been it's usually been the offense guys. Uh, that's that's kind of interesting to me. Sometimes I just want to make a joke, and I don't want. Well, you brought it up. I don't want PFF analyst analysis after. <laughs> Helium boys. Is We're good, sh- baby. We're stronger than ever. <laughs> okay. We're okay, stronger than ever. Okay. Um, Stop stronger. touching me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forgot which one it was, and I apologize, but one of the Zavon Alford interceptions. interceptions, he made it a point. Everyone was swarming him. I think it was the second one. He found Todd Orlando and gave him the ball. And so I thought that was interesting because that's something we've seen in the Clay Helton era. People would go originally and go find Clay Helton and give it to him. But I haven't seen a player hand Orlando a ball yet. So I thought that was interesting. Very Daniel Bateman. The the first one felt like, just don't mess up this terrible throw that I've been gifted. The second <laughs> one was like, no, yeah, I'm the shit. I'm making that. It still wasn't a good throw, but he also made a nice play at diving and catch it. Love a good diving interception. I can't believe you didn't jump on the Daniel Bateman reference. Replacements? Danny, give me the ball. Give me the, I got you the ball, Coach. I, 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 know it more, ball. I, I know it more as Danny Bateman, but yes. <laughs> yes. Now it is triggering. Which is interesting. Blood, blood on the thing. Yes. Blood across the bridge in the nose. Which is interesting that you mentioned that because one of my hurdits is Orlando's reaction to that interception. Really? Because really? I was shooting from an angle where Xavion was farther away and then Todd was not far. It, it was a little bit closer in the, in the foreground. And I turned to him and he turns around after it and you know turns away from the field and he's like, oh, baby. And like, <laughs> at least that's what it sounded like or at least that's what it sounded and looked like from what he was mouthing. Uh, but just him showing the emotion there after that play, which is something he doesn't often do either, because you know the cameras have been on him a lot in the games. You don't yeah. n- normally see him. You know he gets he gets frustrated, and you can tell that he's frustrated, and the 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 brow furrows and stuff. But he doesn't show a ton of emotion. But to see it in this this situation, and then him get the ball, I thought that was, that was pretty cool as well. Mm-hmm. All righty, let's move on to some questions. Questions? You you done with her? We're good. The uh, fact that Chris had one is like a win in itself. We didn't have to like struggle. It's like a toddler going to bed. He finally. <laughs> yeah, usually it. I'm selling for field goals. We got a touchdown. Yeah, we had some herded efficiency today. Uh, 
first question is from our friend of the pod, Gustavo, who said, Yellow FF team, who do you think can be the number one receiver? I know London can never be replaced, especially with this wide receiving core, but who would you like to see step up? I think just based on like volume the last two weeks, I think it's Taj Washington. You know, he's gotten, I believe, like 16 receptions, maybe 150 yards the last two weeks. No scores. You need scores out of your number one receiver. You know, Drake wasn't like lighting up with scores, but he was still scoring. Um, But I think Taj, you know, he was a freshman All-American. He has that potential when he was at uh, Memphis. So, you know, I'm picking Taj. Just needs to get the consistency down. Uh, But he's had a couple of, you know, decent games, you know, a couple drops. Uh, last week but I also contend that some of those passes were a little bit off the mark a little bit um so Taj is my pick yeah, he had 15 targets in this game yeah Gary Bryant had 12 um 50 percent reception rate rate for Gary Bryant on those six catches for 64 yards Taj Washington 60 percent nine catches for 78 yards you got to get more consistent, though, from those guys. They're obviously going to be the top targets here. I mean, the next closest was Kyle Ford with four as far as targets. So I would like to see Kyle Ford step up, I think, just because he provides the big body uh, so you can get that 50-50 ball. And maybe it doesn't need to be one guy, but you need to throw that ball up there and throw that 50-50 ball in the end zone to Kyle Ford or to Malcolm Epps and give them a chance and see if they come down with it. Now, Kyle Ford has shown a couple times he's make, made some contested catches. But I, I think instead of just saying, okay, we need our number one receiver, and that being Taj Washington, to do everything. We need him to do the screen game. We need him to catch the deep ball. We need him to catch all the slants and stuff. Maybe they need to be splitting the, that, the two categories up. We need someone to make those contested catches, and it be Kyle Ford or you know one of those other bigger guys. And then we'll, we'll throw the volume of our throws to Taj Washington and maybe throw the post route. The post route is something with the smaller receivers. I think that gives them more of an opportunity to go and catch the ball, You know, get underneath the ball. You, the quarterback can throw it out in front of them, throw it to the side. Gives a little bit more options than just the deep ball, the seam routes or the, you know, the slot fades or the outside fades or even some of the double moves where it's a one-on-one. And if you don't get two yards of separation, if a cornerback holds you a little bit and they don't call it, then you know you're not getting enough separation for those smaller guys to to be able to go up and get the ball. So I would like to see them you know kind of split those duties up a little bit, still run those guys deep, but do it in a different way with some post routes. We got a question from James who said, "I saw player wave off Keen Slovis when he asked him to warm up in the fourth quarter. Does this happen sometimes? Uh, was the player tired, or is there a division on the team?" I mean, I don't really feel like a hundred percent kind of diving into this 100% comfortable diving into this just because I don't know you know the dynamics of what we're going on there I mean I would assume if my quarterback asked me to come warm up with him you know I'd say yes I mean I don't so uh, outside of that then I, I can't really like I didn't see the clip itself but we're talking about Jude Wolf here right so I saw the clip uh you know when rewatching the game USC's offense had just either the I think they'd scored the touchdown because it was two two dart drives and then Ergo met Slovis. So they come off the field. Jude Wolf's just been in on this drive, and Slovis comes over and says something to him. Doesn't necessarily say, hey, can you throw at me? You can't see that. You can't tell. And this is one of the things I was warned about when I first, you know, one of my first journalism classes, you know, is if you're far away and you can't hear what they're talking about, even if someone's laughing at the, you know, has a smile at the end of a game when they're getting blown out, 
you can't say, oh, this person's joking and, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, it could be, I, I can't believe this and just putting a smile on, uh, it, you know, and, and sarcasm. I mean, I'm a nervous laugher, so. Yeah, so so you don't know exactly what's going on there and it's hard to tell from, you can't, it's not like Jude Wolf shakes his head and says, no, I'm not going to do that. It's just he, it looks like he's tired. It looks like he says maybe, you know, Get, grab somebody else. I just, you know, I just came off. I, I'm trying to catch my breath or whatever. And it, it ends up Keaton Slovis walks over to Joseph Manjack, says something to Manjack, and Manjack stands up. So people are assuming that he's asking these guys to throw with him. And I don't know if that's the case. I don't remember. You know, I didn't notice it at the time on the sideline. I wasn't, you know, focusing on those two guys at, at that specific moment. So it could have been. Him at simply asking Jude Wolf, like, hey, you, you want to throw real quick? And he'd just be like, man, I'm tired right now. Just grab somebody else. Is that cool? Which is, like, totally fine. Yeah. Also, Jude Wolf hasn't been a guy to be in the warm-up line. The catch-up guy? Yeah. It's been, like, Malcolm Epps. It's been, like, just a man jack, stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so I, I don't – I think it's much – I think the main bullet point is it's much more complicated than what a TV shot can show, you know? We got a couple questions from our buddy Judy who said uh, – the first one – we say USC has to get the next coaching hire right or the team will be irrelevant. Six of the last ten seasons, USC has lost five losses or more. Might we be irrelevant already? You could say that, but it's not like – I don't think it's Nebraska. I don't think it's Miami because I think that USC can bounce back much quicker than those other programs. Though Miami is one surprising that they haven't been able to bounce back quicker than they have. But I don't think that they are yet. I also think it it plays to this is such a pivotal time for the Pac-12 conference in itself and USC is so important for the national reputation of the conference and I think that also plays into it as well. So, I think it's a twofold thing. Yeah, I think that's a big difference from Nebraska or Miami and the, these programs uh, that were really good for a long time and have struggled in the last two decades or so at, at different points is because USC, if they just get things right, will be back at the top of the Pac-12, at least competing for that championship. And Miami hasn't really done that in the ACC. I think that's the big difference there is that they, have, they can't just, you know, they get, get the right players, they get the right coach, and suddenly, you know, even with Mark Rick, when they were winning nine games, they weren't necessarily in contention for the ACC championship year in and year out, which USC would be if they get the right coach and whatnot. She had a second question that said, uh, a player was criticized on social media. He replied quickly with individual stats from the game and dismissed penalties as bad calls. This seems like a focus on me over team. How widespread do you think this mentality is and how do you see it from being fixed? Okay, maybe that's three questions. Thanks for all you do. And the Parastyle team does. Judy from South Bend. I mean, I think it's just maybe a case of a player that was frustrated with, you know, what happened. You know, that was a critical penalty are we going to name the player what they're referring to i believe they're referring to chris Steele, the cornerback who had that critical defensive holding penalty on the, the third down that would have resulted in a punt uh he was criticized on social media and you know he responded back um i'm also not a fan of like going on social media and trashing players like that fans do sometimes after yeah. their kids it's a game mess up sometimes penalties are called sometimes penalties are not i mean it's uh, so i'm not against you know just someone making an instagram post or sending a message to someone we see it all the time you know people get death threats for making mistakes or missing a kick or getting a penalty or doing something you know that doesn't help the team win so i'm not against 
I'm not for that. And I think he was just frustrated and he, you know, let it fly, which is, I was in a situation like that last week where I got frustrated with someone who was on my Twitter account and I, I, I came at them. So <laughs> we, you don't, don't come at the Chris's on social media. Is what, is what <laughs> I think that's the overall arching point of my, my statement here. Uh, the, the holding call was like, I mean, I'm sh- you can call that holding, but that was a very strange call with as much stuff as been let go in this game in particular. Because some games are called different than other games. So it was a very surprising call, completely away from the ball, um, and you know, really cost USC because they would have forced a punt there. Instead, it turns into a touchdown that you know pushes Arizona State's lead up. So you know, Chris Steele didn't have a great game. You know, he, he gave up some catches, a couple of catches or short catches, but he also had a couple penalties. So it wasn't a great game, but no one on the defense really had a great game. So, but really, if you, I, I agree with Chris, they're 18 and 22 year old. So I just want to get that in there for you guys. Thanks. You both to smile. Thanks. They're 18 oh, to 22 year olds, though. So, you know, they don't deserve the constant criticism that they're getting, that they receive. But also, if you're a player, don't go searching your name after a bad game. Um, you know that I would tell any player that, like, if you have a bad game, just shake it off. Don't look and see what anyone said. Uh, the same thing, you know, if you have a great game, you probably shouldn't be searching your name either. So, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting. Some players do that, and some players don't want anything to do with social media at all. And some of them, you know, are just on there passively. Some of them are on there very aggressively. And Chris Steele is one of those guys. I think we can hold space for both things to be true. Like I completely agree with you guys. Don't go harassing college football players on the internet. Just don't do that. Cornerbacks in particular get picked on all the time. <laughs> it happens. Iman Marshall, Chris Steele, there's a whole, Dory Jackson. Dory, there's a whole progression of, of cornerbacks who get their fair share of social media hate. But I also think when I was reporting my story about Dante Williams and accountability and stuff like that, something that I kept hearing from sources was there is, a kind of me mentality in certain parts of the team. And so I think they're, I think they're both things can be true. I think, yeah, obviously do not harass college football players on social media, but I think there has been a sense of individual individualism that has hurt the team. And I think you can see it at times and partially why this team kind of falls apart easily if things go, don't go their way. And so I think, I think it's both, but I'm definitely pro don't harass people on the internet. Anyone, not just college football players. Just don't, just be nice. Be nice, everybody. Alrighty, we have a question from Kelly who says, will USC win another game this year? Yes. <laughs> you don't sound so sure about that. I don't, but I'm going to go with yes. Would Dante Williams even want to stay and coach on a new staff at USC after this debacle? Yeah. Depends on what the, the payday is. He's SoCal... Native, grew you know, up, right, grew up right, yeah, down here. You know, right down the street from USC. It's always been, you know, USC has always been a dream job for him. I feel like so. It's a big aid to his recruiting expertise, recruiting uh, for USC. So I think you know helps him get in the top five, top two, top one eventually. So yeah, I would I would say he want he would want to stay. B. Miller says, is it possible to shut down Jackson Dart for the season to keep him healthy and prevent any long-lasting injuries? Sure. It's possible to shut down every single player on the team. Shut, me, they- to, shut me down for the season. 
can't shut you down, Chris. Shoddy? Uh, should they? No. Why? He needs he needs reps. If you're gonna if you're gonna put him in there, then get him the reps. Now, is he healthy now? Is he 100 percent healthy? I think he he looks, you know, perfectly fine on Saturday. I don't, Chris, you you disagree with that, but uh, you know some people are seeing saying that he looks injured still. I thought he looked fine. Maybe he's not cutting as sharply. It's not that he's like like injured, injured, like he's limping or whatever. It's just I just don't think it's like fully he's just stiff a little bit it's not like as fluid yeah i i don't think it's like oh the knee is like bothering him i just don't think he's like his confidence is taking a little bit of a ding you know a ding that's something you got to get over by going through it so um i think that as long as he's cleared medically and you think he's fine he's not having any issues with it then you you still play him now the question of the red shirt comes in that's a little different but as as far as his health, if he you know as long as he's cleared and he's not saying it's bothering him, then I would still play him. Oh, shotgun, you can clear somebody physically. You can't clear somebody mentally. <laughs> I said as long as he says he's fine. Yeah, I mean, I guess that'd be the first time a player has ever said I'm good when they weren't good. Congrats. <laughs> that phrase never works out. We've just proved right. over and over again. What are you talking about, Cortland Ford? Or are you talking about Nick Figueroa? Or are you talking about Ingram? You want a you want a whole list of players saying I'm good? And then <laughs> no, not I'm good. good. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back next week. Three weeks later. Three weeks later. Eric had a question that said, uh, "Many fans see this season as a failure on many fronts, but are hopeful that a new coaching staff will turn things around." How do the players feel about USC football? Are they able to get far enough away from it to have a clear perspective? Is the temptation to quote unquote phone it in great because they know the season is a loss? I think it's hard when we said this a lot, but when your head coach is fired early in the season. And when you're not doing well, you know, the fate of your position coaches and your coordinator are kind of, it's not great for them. You know, it's, it's hard to find that motivation, I think, at times. And kids are apt to believe 18 that to 20 year olds, kids, sir. kids are apt to believe that, you know, they have forever when there's a finite amount of time. But you also, when you're in college, you realize Oh crap! There's only th- like when you actually look at it, and you go, "Okay, there's only 40 games left in my career." So you know you start realizing these numbers come up, and you realize how little time there is in college, and you know how much you got to get game tape on film for you know future scouts or whatever it may be. Then those things can be motivators. I mean, it can be as simple as uh, Daquan Hampton saying he was just running routes to get film because he knew it was a Cody Kessler wasn't going to throw him the wall. So yeah. you know. Players realize, well, I got to put a good tape out there, and whether that be because I may want to transfer after this year, or because I know there's a new coach coming in and I want to impress him, they're going to look at this tape. You know, some coaches say, "Oh, I don't, I, I just completely scrap it. I just want to get my fre- fresh look at it on my own eyes on it." They all look at the tape. Don't don't believe them that they don't actually look. Go back and look and see, like, okay, what do I have? How'd they use them last year? Can I use them this way? What different ways can we do? What can we do with it? So you got to get go out there and put your best foot forward for whoever is coming in next, and you know whoever whoever your next head coach is, whether that be at USC or the you know, the pros or uh, if you go into the transfer portal. One final question. I have a feeling Shoddy Spratt is going to take it. It's for Michael. 
who says, now that we're a basketball school. Who? There it is. Okay, there we go. <laughs> what are the odds of beating UCLA both times this season? And what's USC's ceiling with infield? Beating UCLA both times this season will be very difficult because UCLA is one of the best teams in the country. You know, they had a Final Four team, and they're probably a, a round of 32 Sweet 16 team. They got hot at the right time, which you're supposed to do as far as talent-wise last year. They were probably that that equivalent, top 32, maybe the 16. But they added some really big pieces. Peyton Watson, freshman All-American, um, or McDonald's All-American coming in from Long Beach Poly. They also added a kid from Rutgers, uh, Miles Johnson, I believe it is, who's returning back to Southern California. He's going to be a big boost for their defense down low, and that's one of the areas where USC was able to beat up on them last year. So I think it's going to be much more difficult to beat UCLA twice. But it hasn't happened. UCLA hasn't beat USC in a long time, you know, as far as days on the calendar so far in basketball. And that's because USC's gotten a pair of buzzer beaters uh, to beat UCLA the last two years. So if they get another one of those, I think USC fans would be happy. You know, getting a split against them would would be uh, a quality uh, turn for USC in this rivalry. And then, you know, if they meet up in the Pac-12 championship, that would be fun. You know, if something like that happened. And what's the ceiling for for infield? What's USC ceiling with infield? They were in the lead eight last year. You know, I, I think that they could be a Final Four program. You know, a team that you look at and say, "Yeah, I could see them making the Final Four this year." Now they're not going to have to do it without Evan Mobley, and I'm not saying just this year that they could be a Final Four team. I think they could go on a run. I don't think one, they're one of the four best teams in the in the country, but similar to UCLA last year, I think they could get hot at the right time. They're going to have to do it without Evan Mobley, which is you know a difficult task because we're seeing in the NBA he's a unicorn. He does so many things that help you win. Isaiah Mobley, his big brother, is going to have to step into that role and do a lot more things to help the team win. So we'll see if they do that. I also forgot to add that Michael said, game day, baby, let's go. So he's, he's pumped. Yeah, the USC basketball season starts today. They'll open with CSUN before going this weekend to Philadelphia where they'll play Temple, which is going to be an interesting matchup and should tell us a lot more about the team than you know necessarily the opener. And then a really fun matchup. USC is going to play next week in Florida, in Fort Myers, Florida, at Florida Gulf Coast, where Andy Enfield famously wow. uh, you know, came to prominence and you know earned the USC job by making it as a Sweet 16 the first time ever for a number 15 seed with uh, the Florida Gulf Coast Dunk City. And then USC actually... Their non-conference schedule the, on Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, they will play one of the two teams that Andy Enfield beat during that run because he beat Georgetown and beat San Diego State, and USC will play one of those two teams in the, the Wooden Legacy Tournament down in Anaheim. So some interesting things. And then there's actually another non-conference connection. USC will play in Arizona. They're playing a non-conference game in Arizona at the NBA Arena there in Phoenix against Georgia Tech. And why is that game interesting? Because there's two former USC players on the Georgia Tech roster now. Jordan Usher and Kyle Sturdivant were both at USC and then transferred back home. They're both from Georgia originally, transferred back home to Georgia Tech. So that'll be an interesting matchup as well. Interesting. Thank you for the number one USC basketball beat reporter <laughs> in the world. Shotgun was actually called the best NCAA basketball reporter over the weekend. This, so these are Both of these are incorrect, but I'll take them. I'm giving you your flowers. <laughs> oh, why are they all dying, Chris? Who there it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alrighty. Well, it is time for me to pass the torch to Mr. Chrissy T. It's time for some take it or leave it. 
Before we started this, Keely said, or like a couple minutes ago, she told me she wanted a quicker, but I don't do that. So I don't, I don't do that. Okay, that's fine. You can't rush my process and I'm. Okay, I know. uh, Okay, so let's just get right into it. With a long pause. Love it, Chris. Guys, we've been talking about the game for a little bit. So could you guys just very quickly give me your MVP from Saturday? From Saturday? Yeah. The Fox. Oh, good choice. Are you upset? Did she just steal your thunder? She just absolutely stole my thunder. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's because I specifically texted her what she was supposed to say. No, you didn't. I just did. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but okay. it is no, I don't I don't care. Don't say anything. Shotgun, I didn't text you. You you always do I've your job. You always do your job perfectly. I'm always the live read. So shotgun F whatever you're going to say. Yes, Keely. The Fox was absolutely the MVP. I have to scrap the whole top half of this read <laughs> because I Keely's... just got the text that says for take it say Alfred. <laughs> So, yes, it was that majestic, majestic Fox. For that brief moment, USC football was fun this season. So much hope. Or was it simply a distraction, guys? So we've done a last-minute partnership with Forever Wild Exotic Animal Sanctuary right here in California and their new Frantic Fox program. Here's how it works. Keely. Yes. Let's say you're on a terrible date. Okay. You don't need to do the whole... Oh, I'll have my friend call me 15 minutes to save me for without a fake emergency. You know how they do on the movies. Yes. That's so played out. What you need is a fox discreetly placed in the restaurant or wherever you're having your date. Perfect. A lady screams. A kid says, ooh, there's a fox. It's chaos. <laughs> and all of that, boom, you make your way out. No harm, no foul. You nice. best believe... I'm using this service the next time I have to do a tunnel vision. <laughs> but that would be fun. You and a fox on tunnel vision. No. The- <laughs> fox bites somebody, bites Ryan. The whole thing goes, I'll say, I'll go get the med kit. I'm out. <laughs> I got one in my car. I'm on the 405 Never in five returns. minutes. Wow. I can use this for anything. Next time Ryan invites me out on a boat. <laughs> fox on a boat. So take control Ooh. of any situation you are unsure about and leave in a fox-made chaos. Forever wild exotic animal sanctuary, rabies costs extra. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is a on-the-fly sponsor. I'm proud of you, Chris. They're all on the fly. Right? No, but like especially because of Saturday. Go into this... <laughs> I just wanted you to be feel a little bit of shame and embarrassment after that. <laughs> you always make me feel uh, that. T- That's fine. The touchdown celebration by Jackson Dart wasn't a big deal. Take it. Take it. Michael Trigg will play again this season. Leave it. I'm going to be optimistic because I want to see him play, so I'm going to take it. Speak it into existence. There you go. Count to Ingram will declare after this season. Take it. Take it. Although it would be fun to cover another season of Keontae. And maybe he looks at whoever the new head coach comes in, decides whether you know that makes sense for him to come back or not, and once he gets the NFL draft grade, he's going to get. But probably just going to take it. Drake London will earn his place on the All-American wall. 
take his rightful it. place, as I would like to. Is it? I hate that he got hurt. <laughs> you think? You think? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll take it just for the sake of it. Taking it, and you know, it could be anybody. All it takes is one, just one. Someone True. Yeah. USC doesn't have high standards. College madness. College sports madness. Whatever. But then, like, I'm sorry. Continue. The Drake London Bolitnikov campaign, which USC pushed yesterday with this email, will have some effect. Uh, I was surprised that USC did that. I don't think I've seen them do that. They did a late campaign for Adori after the hat trick game against Notre Dame, but anyone he did not. When the Thorpe, they they were pushing for like Heisman. At that point, I don't you push that. for the top and hope you <laughs> okay, get the actual. Okay, okay. <laughs> shoot for the shoot for the stars because then you'll land among the moon. Is that what we're among the moon? <laughs> among the moons, uh, take it. I think it is a good idea, and it cannot hurt. So uh, why would it not? Sure, for that shoddy copy. Someone on the East Coast has not seen the stats he's putting up. They're like, oh wow, he had a good game against something, and they missed the highlights because it was too late. And they go, whoa, these numbers are ridiculous. And that helps him out. Sure. Great impression of an East Coast voter. Whoa. I didn't have enough accent. Sorry. Jackson Dart will start one of these final three games. Take it. I didn't mean to sound so, like, annoyed. (laughs) Take it. Oh, he's struggling. Yeah, he's real struggle bus. I'll leave it just to be opposite of Keeley. Okay. Uh, Are you going to ask... Will Jackson start this weekend? No. I figured that was the next question coming. We're going to transition very quickly here to the end to our friend of the show, Clay Helton. Got a new job. Uh, <laughs> Clay Helton will win this, a Sunbelt title at Georgia Southern. I'm not familiar too much with the level of competition in the Sunbelt right now. But I'm going to leave it. I'm going to take it. Oh. Because there's a lot of talent right now, like Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina and some of those programs. But if you're a really talented coach in the Sun Belt, you don't stay in the Sun Belt. So there will be a deficiency at some point. And finally, he might can fill the vacuum. A coach that was let go under Helton will be on his Georgia Southern staff. See, I don't know who that would be. I'm going to leave it. I'm take it. <laughs> Who? Neil Calloway, babe. John Baxter, Neil Calloway. There's okay. Tim Drevno. Like, there's several. None of the coaches that he did fire were guys that, like, he just walked in and was like, you got to get out of here. It was like, well, Lynn Swan's saying you got to go, so I'm going to have to. Ronnie out, B? Outside of the guys that were there initially when he took over his interim. You know, Greg just, B. Justin Wilcox. Where is Ronnie Bradford right now? Okay. No one knows. In the abyss, I don't know. Quick and that's Google it. search. Thank you to the Animal Sanctuary. 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 A couple fun ones. Facebook's new name, Meta. Hate it. Leave it. Oh. <laughs> Is that fun? Leave it. I don't even I don't even understand it. So Chris and I, yeah, I was Ronnie Bradford is at Montana as oh. the cornerbacks coach. Oh, Assistant head coach. The Grizzlies. Just the Grizz, not Grizzlies. Okay. A <laughs> uh, new study shows that the optimal bedtime is between 10 and 11 p.m. Oh, no. Based on what? I don't know. <laughs> Science. 
Shotgun is legally required to leave this. I, I'm not even going to touch this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it maybe uh, correct? I don't know. You should try it. Try yeah. it once. Yeah. Try it once. What time do I have to get up if I go to bed between 10 and 11? Like 4.30? Ay, ay, ay. I'm going to leave it. If I go to bed at 10 o'clock, I'll be up by 2, maybe 3. I just feel like I'll miss things. Like our group chat, our work group chat was popping at like 11.43 last night. And I was like, what is happening? I just started working. That's why. <laughs> that's actually not true. I worked all day yesterday. So you're leaving it. I'm leaving it. You're nuking it. I'm not even touching that. Heinz has made a ketchup with tomatoes grown in Mars-like conditions. So will you try the Mars ketchup? What does that constitute as? I also don't know. Chris, the, you know what Mars is? Okay, as you it's said to me, a rocky planet. Earlier in this podcast, it's I want cold. some data. I want some facts. You ever watch The Martian? Today? It doesn't no. have oxygen. So how does it grow? Carefully. I I don't know. I, I, well, I, I feel like I'll get some like Martian disease if I eat. It's this. not actually what on Martian Mars. diseases. Do you know of? <laughs> a lot. Thank you very much. <laughs> this isn't total recall. To be clear, it's not actually grown on Mars. I, it's I in Mars-like conditions. Well, that's why I want to know the conditions. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it. I like Earth ketchup. What's the name of it? That'll be the determining factor for me. <laughs> it's got a cool name. I might, I might try it. Heinz. <laughs> I don't think it has a name yet. Oh. Moon sauce. Red planet. It's not a moon. <laughs> Mars sauce. Mars is the red planet, so oh. maybe it has something to do with mm. red sauce. That's marinara sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, that's gravy. Ew. Some people call red sauce gravy. Come on. You never Ooh. been around any Italians? Okay. Whatever. Wait, re- continue. Really? You two are so uncultured. <laughs> okay. Croc high heels. Oh, this was a <laughs> this was a, a DM, a Twitter DM between the three of us, and someone chimed in and said, save it for take it or leave it. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. They're so ugly that they're great. <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> the f- who the hell thought of that? <laughs> Balenciaga, I think is who it was. Balenciaga. Yeah. I guess oh, who it God. was. It was like Fendi or something like that, maybe? No, I think it was Balenciaga. Oh, it was. You're right. Just terrible. And finally, Uno cleats. Uno cleats. I can't really find them because this is an old one. Are they cleats that have the Uno cards on them? Yes. Oh, take it. No, but the, the color scheme is Uno, and they have a little Uno card on them. Oh, take it. I don't know whose they are, though, but... Take I, it. I just... I'll take it. That seems easy. I've been playing Uno since I was like four, so. And that's it. four. Yeah, since I was like four. You can play Uno at four. You can be there, Chris. All you gotta do is know the numbers. You can play Uno at, yeah, and colors. (laughs) Wait, aren't you colorblind? Never mind. This is a horrible idea. (laughs) It's a horrible idea. This is the part where I say N1. N1, Chris. N1. Yeah, so we're going to do something different. It's not going to be a question. It's just Keely is going, we had a no contact helium boys road trip quotes. Some of them didn't make it. <laughs> a little too radical for Twitter, but Ooh. so Keely, all you're gonna do is hold on, let me get a pen and paper. You're, I'm gonna give you these quotes. You're gonna tell me who said it. Okay, I'm Chrissy ready. T or shotgun. Okay, I'm I'm very gonna ready. Pray. This is gonna. You spend a lot of your time with us, so I do. Going to be, I do. Uh, sorry, I'm getting into my. 
thing. So I know these all by, I know who said who. So I'm just going to mark them quickly. I don't want you to see how I'm marking them so you can get suspicious of your grade. <laughs> okay. I have them right here. Okay. I'm ready. I think there's like nine or something. So you tweeted out quotes from either one of you. Yes. They're either said by me or shotgun. I think there's one instance of like a conversation, like a two-piece. Okay. So you're just going to have to say. I'm ready. Just combo. say the speaker. Okay. I'm pretty sure you were a long-haul truck driver in a past life. That is Chris talking about shotgun. Okay. Oh, I don't... Wait, want, we're not reacting? I want instant feedback. No, no, I don't... No, no, instant no. Instant feedback. You want you want the graded in... Yeah, real time. Okay. That is correct. Yes. That was said by me. <laughs> that one's pretty obvious. Yeah. For many reasons. That's something Chris would say about someone and you fit the profile. Number two, do you want to just go to the zoo instead? Shotgun said that. Yeah, I gave this one away on Twitter. Yeah, so. you gave a freebie. If you I, did your research, you know. Yeah, I, d- I didn't see it on Twitter, but I did hear the podcast. Oh, it's in the podcast. Too, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, I gave you, this one away. You hit it hard in the podcast. <laughs> Number three. Could have just went to the zoo, Chris. We didn't have to go to the game. It was weird drinking a beer and looking at lizards. Like, this doesn't feel right. The way Shotgun just responded <laughs> to this quote, I think Shotgun said it. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. <gasps> I said it. Ah, oh, darn it. I'm sorry. Like, fooled her. Fooled her with the just, reaction. Just yeah. because the way he looked? <laughs> well, he, he looked like, yeah, it didn't feel right. It's true. What? Can I get the background for this? Is there no context? Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's no context. Okay, okay fine, fine. <laughs> Number four. Look, there's the Grand Canyon right there. That's it? Yeah. You've made the drive to... To Arizona, many times, Chris. <laughs> How many said times that? have you seen the Grand Canyon? One, very briefly. No, on the way to from USC to Arizona. Oh, not oh, Chris. <laughs> what you said it? I still remember who said it. <laughs> you said it. Okay, it, there was actually another quote in there that Chris was like. No, actually, I said it, and you yeah, said you, s- you said I'm going to tell my kids that's the Grand Canyon. It was just a big quarry or something. Oh. And I said that's the one I said Chris should p- put up there, but he chose my quote. Instead. Started two and zero. Oh, now you're two and two. Whatever. <laughs> number number five. This was a little tricky one. Why is Macy Gray so happy in that? When I picture Macy Gray, she's angry. <laughs> this is so hard. See, but, uh, the problem is that shotgun when he's happy can sound like Chris quotes. That is a great <laughs> point. <laughs> so I don't know the mood in which the tone right. it was said in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I can see shotgun being like, "Why was Macy Gray in it?" But then I can also see Chris opining on this. Can't tee any of these. <laughs> How we go with shotgun? That is correct. Yes. We saw a poster, <laughs> a billboard, billboard for her in a uh, casino, performing. She's happy because th- she's getting the. Well, check. I think of Macy Gray in Idlewild, where she's a very angry woman. How many times have you mentioned Idlewild on this podcast? Great movie. Great <laughs> we are th- even better sound. Outcast. We are yeah. three and two. Okay. You are three and two. Sorry. Where's Vin Diesel at? <laughs> I hate this. I keep wanting context. 
can I get like the locale? You can no. get you, you can no, you, you can get nothing. You can call for context on two of the remaining wow. ones. How many do I have left? <laughs> He's mouthing counting. I feel like there was more. Chris. Yeah, okay. five left. Okay. I, I call feel it, like there was at least I two want, more, though. I want a context on this one. Uh, we were passing multiple, like, big uh, rig the, trucks, c- but they have an open back. It wasn't... Chris said this. What? You said this. I don't remember. Shotgun said this. Oh, come on. <laughs> there were a lot of trucks, and one of them looked like... Open was- beds. They had transporting stuff yeah and it looked like cash and i was like imagine if that was just cash right there and then the next one went by and it was imagine if that was gold bars right there and so we were just wondering where did vin diesel is at to help hijack i lied you vehicles. have eight left oh my gosh okay, i'll give you two more to, so you get three we need to go rapid wow. fire you wanted you wanted this. okay <laughs> i have a notification notification from espn india i feel like that's shotgun that is shotgun yeah <laughs> she's back she's back in it yep she's four and three yep uh, written by Pole Assassin. That's Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get leather thongs like those guys? <laughs> that is Chris Trevino if I've ever heard one. Shut <laughs> the roll right now. This no, that's like, not you. That was me. <laughs> no, that was me. No, that was me because you didn't see it. <laughs> we went past a bar and I think it was a gay bar, so there was... Uh, a poster outside of guys and thongs. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm pretty sure I said this. Can this I... is me all over. <laughs> yeah, it's you so didn't great. See it, so. I'm playing this game under petition. What do they do when they don't like a call shotgun in baseball? But you said they have the you... thongs, and I said, should we get them like those guys? <laughs> I can't believe this is actually being said on this podcast. <laughs> what do you want? I'm playing this game under petition since you guys cannot come to an agreement about what you said out of your own mouth. No, I 100% said this. No, I didn't. know that. Oh my gosh. This is a conversation. He's out for an undisclosed injury. Nipples? Gosh, oh my goodness. First one is shotgun, second one is Chris. Oh my goodness, she's on a 4 0 run. I guarantee ASU has the highest sin rating in the Pac 12. Oh my goodness, these quotes. Uh, are these tweeted? Yeah. Okay. So this is what surprised me. <laughs> Everything's on record. Okay. I think Chris said that. Correct. Nice. I really love watching late night infomercials. Ooh. That's a hard one. Because Shotgun's in the position to do that based on his nocturnal schedule. But he doesn't like the riffraff. And I feel like you would find wonder in infomercials. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go with Chris on this one. That is correct. Yes. I hate infomercials. I, yeah, I knew that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Final two. Why would I want dense bread? Why would I want dense bread? I can hear Shotgun saying that and you doing your little Chris giggle after he said it. <laughs> Who are you picking? <laughs> what do you mean? So you're picking Shotgun? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I don't understand if people like bagels. She's on a 7-0 run right now. <laughs> Finally, I added the daddy part. <laughs> That's obviously Chris. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue what that context was either. What was the context for that one? Look, I didn't even use my context ones. Hit tips. You went 11-3. and three. Let's go, baby. I'm like uh, USC's Rose Bowl run. 
Started off rough, but I got it together. 11 and 3 record, not bad. You were tripped up by Vin Diesel. Yeah. Always can trip you up. Macy Gray <laughs> and Lizards. So. Lizards, I answered too fast. That one was a gut thing where I kind of thought it was you. Yeah. but yeah. We'll see how you do next week. Oh, I like this. This is good. Oh, right. We're going on another road trip. <laughs> I completely forget that we're going to Cal this weekend. Back to back. Speaking of, make sure you stay tuned to the site because we're previewing USC's matchup against Cal. And we'll all be there for more fun and coverage. Any final thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this one up? Uh, basketball season should be very interesting. Uh, it, starts, it is. starts Sorry. tonight. Uh, it will be interesting to see how this team comes together with some a couple new pieces, including Boogie Ellis, the Memphis transfer. If you haven't heard about him, you can read my story about Ooh. him on the site right now. And this weekend's game is going to be a complete, oh, oh, what's going to happen? Because we don't even know who Cal's going to have available. After last week, they scored yeah. three points because they had like 40-something scholarship players. They, didn't, they were down to the third-string quarterback all because of the city of Berkeley rules, apparently, uh, with COVID and quarantining and different things, contact tracing. So we'll see where they're at this week. You know, if they have a full roster versus 40, it's going to be a lot different type of game. And we'll see if USC's players can take advantage of any absences that Cal does have. But we'll see. Very nice wrap-up, Shoddy. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. That's Shotgun. That's Chris. I'm Keely. We'll see you all next week.